it's me, it's me, the L E E B O Y T V. I've got my co-host here. Uh, you, co-host, co-host. Look, I'm gonna just refer to you as co-host. Can I introduce you, or are you gonna uh, step up and introduce? Yourself? Uh, it's me, P R I M E, the the host of the show. Oh, okay. Excuse me. One I'm of the hosts. I'm the co-host. <laughs> One of the hosts. Get us in line. Get us in order, right? Um. So yeah, it's. Lee Boy TV here with the PRIME. This is the Prime Nostalgia Podcast, and we got a super special guest today, someone that I've been trying to build with and connect with for a little while now for so many reasons, and you'll find out as we get through this interview. My guy, Ken, Michael, what's up, man? Say what's up to me. What's going on? Oh, my goodness. So good to be with you guys today. Yeah, man. It's it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, um, man, you know, I saw... Yeah, you, I mean, I, I the the, uh, the picture that you that you posted on IG uh, of us in in the dressing room like all them years ago, and that just that brought back memories, man. And I'll definitely so repost that ahead of this interview drop. Yeah, such an iconic moment in the late '90s. Very, I think, might yeah, '99, 2000, somewhere around there. Yeah, it, no, I think it was actually a little earlier. I think it was like '98 based on my hairstyle at the time okay. that's kind of how i know oh, we're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk style. about all that man that's, it was the 90s okay it was the 90s it, definitely was. <laughs> it was a different the time 90s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and before we even move forward i want to just talk about your name because you you've been credited as um i would say kenny blank kenny yeah, yeah. michael also yeah. i've seen ken black in there and i think that was just a, a that's a yeah that's that's a mistake yeah so so um Kenny Blank was, you know, what I went by as a, as a sort of child actor. Um, and I changed my name legally around, I guess around 2000. And I made my middle name, my last name, and then dropped off the, and you know, the, the Y at the end of the name. And it was one of those things that, you know, I know you, you can relate to, to this too, is it's like when you're going through that transition from being a child actor to an adult and you're getting into other things and, you know, I was just kind of like, ah, I need to make, I need to, I need to switch stuff up. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of a different person and I want kind of people to see me as an adult versus like, oh, you're that little kid from that, from that show or whatever. Um, so yeah. So Michael, Michael's my born middle name. And so I made that my last name now. So. You know what? That actually Makes inspires sense. me because I wanted to make a similar change. My middle name is Curtis. Friarson, okay. people always call me Leon Ferguson and Freerson right. and all that stuff. So I'm like, yep. if I just go to Leon Curtis, that'll be kind of dope. You never know. You might. Okay, but here's here's the stuff. thing with that though. Okay, because yeah, warm me, if warm you me did now. that, like me, you would have two first names. <laughs> people get confused with that. So people call me Michael Ken. They call me Michael, uh, or they want to put well. They wouldn't want they wouldn't want to put an S on the end of Curtis, but they always love to put an S on the end of Michael. Michaels. So like yeah. Ken Michaels. Uh <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> so so it's definitely Ken Michael. We're good with that. Ken Michael, yeah, that's yeah. Dope. That's me. Yeah, that's me for like the last 20 years. Correct. 20 yeah. years. Man. Man, time, man. Time is crazy. And you've been in this game for a while. In fact, I'm looking at my notes because I got so much stuff that I want to run down. Obviously, Love we're, it. we're going to talk about the parenthood because yep. that is a very near and dear to my nostalgia heart. Mm. Um, Prime, do you have a favorite project? Would it be the parenthood from Ken Michael? Uh, one consistent one, yes, but he had, had a lot of other cameos and such other projects. So yes. parenthood, yes, for the, for the consistency, yes. And you can we just start off with some of the guest appearances that he's had? Because you've had some iconic sure. guest appearances, sure. especially from the 90s, black sitcoms and television. Uh, yeah. Um, do you have one, before I run down my favorites of, of the list, do you have one that's most memorable that, that stands out to you? I, in fact, I'll just go ahead and say it. You were on Moesha. You were on Hang yeah. with Mr. Cooper. Yeah. Um, How you going to tell him to name it and then start naming your list? <laughs> And just in, you know what? Sometimes they be forgetting. I'm just throwing it's true. phone in case he forgot right. that he was on Living Single. Like I right. know you was probably Kyle's son or something on there. No, I was Kyle's brother. <laughs> I was go. Kyle's brother on that show. Yeah, I think I remember that uh, that episode. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, do you have a favorite or most memorable moment from being on a sitcom in the '90s? You know, like okay, so hanging with Mr. Cooper was memorable because um, I. I got my driver's license the day that 
we shot that episode. And I was, I was so excited. I, you know, it was like, I've been, I took driving classes that's that previous summer. I wasn't messing around. I was like, yo, I'm turning 16. I'm going to have my driver's license on my birthday. <laughs> and it just so happened that we were also shooting Cooper on that day. And so I was at the DMV before work. And so I was able to like drive into the, into the studio. Like I got my license. I'm mobile now. Like, yeah. So that was memorable. At the gate, like, exactly. You like, you know me. me. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. I'm legal. Just real quick, remind people of your episode. So they want to go back and watch it. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what that one was called. Cause I, I don't know if I did one or two. I feel like I might've done two episodes of Cooper. I know I, I did at least one, but the thing that was interesting at that time was, um, Cooper, that was that was pre-parenthood. And that was after this other show that I did called uh, Tall Hopes, which was for CBS. Cuba, uh, I think, right? Was that? Was that with Cuba? No, Terrence Howard. Why do I feel like? Terrence Howard played my older Cuba. brother. I mean, and, yeah. and it was uh, George Wallace was my dad and Anna Maria Horsford was, was my mom on the show. And that was like, that was my first sitcom. We did six episodes of that. They aired... They aired four on the on the East Coast and three on the West Coast mm. before they canceled it. <laughs> like, oh, um, but it was a fun show. A little test, a baby test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it was you know, it was like the early '90s, and it was like a, it was like even more of a different time than like later on when the, when the Parenthood came out. And um, and so like so I you know so I knew my way on the stage. And Cooper was shooting on the same uh, at the same lot. And so this wasn't very long after Tall Hopes. And so, you know, that, that whole time period was just like super, super memorable. Um, living single was a lot of fun because it was the most efficient TV show experience I had ever done. Like, so for the audience, normally when you're shooting like that kind of like multi-camera sitcom uh, with an audience and all that kind of stuff, you, you started a five-day week, right? You come in on Monday, you do your table read, you re- Hers Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you do some pre-taping and then Friday you tape in front of the audience. If the show gets better over the years, like over the seasons, they start cutting down the days, which is amazing. And it's like, it's, it's wonderful. So they go from five days to four day week. So you're out on Thursday. Um, but Living Single was on a three day week, nice. which to me, I was like, yo, this is like, this is the best gig. Cause you just cut three days a week. And the crazy thing was that um, that cast was so like dialed into their stuff that the director, whoever was directing the show, basically was just kind of like taking notes for their uh, switcher, their technical director, because the actors were just kind of blocking themselves. They were just kind of like, all right, so the scene is, all right, so I'm, I'm coming in here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up the stairs. I'm going to go in the kitchen. Da, 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 da. And they just, it was so fast and it was so easy. Uh, and they were all amazing. So that's like, I would say Living Single was probably one of my, my most favorite guesting kind of oh. experiences on TV. Dope, dope. And like, yeah, that, that cast, although, you know, you look at Queen Latifah leading it, the, the rest of the cast was was so experienced. Um, whether, you know, obviously, um, yeah, Kim Fields. Kim, I mean, Kim Fields, Kim Coles, T.C. Carson, um, uh, the guy who played uh, Obi John Hinton, I think Henderson, Henson. yeah, Henson. Um, yeah, and you know the, the they were just it was a well-oiled machine, and they were so amazing at their roles. It just you know, and and I always get geeked out being around amazing performers and amazing creatives, uh, and a lot of times, especially at that caliber, I always just kind of go, oh, wow, like I'm pinching myself, it's like wow, I'm really I'm really here, like I'm really here, like on set with and that never ends that never ends no matter like any of the stuff that I've done like I always appreciate those who uh have been in the game longer than I have and and you know who have done amazing things you know and not to blow the load early but I think that's just a, a great way to go right not to premature I wasn't gonna say the next part <laughs> right yeah yeah but I think it's just an excellent transition uh, into Parenthood because there were so many experienced actors, obviously starting off with the, the God, Robert Townsend, like the goat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The goat. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the best to ever do it. 
you know, mm-hmm. going back to his early film career and his writing oh, and yeah. producing career all the way up into I just seen he was directing an episode of something uh just yesterday. Oh, he's in the Wonder Years. Wonder, Wonder, Years. Wonder Years, yep. Yeah, yeah, he's you know, always still still moving. Um so and then obviously I you get that same type of feeling from um rest in peace Suzanne Douglas. She was just yeah. like such a consummate professional, like one of the most inspiring actresses that you would ever want to be around maybe yeah. her career doesn't you know reflect how great she was um although she has an awesome career uh, absolutely but she didn't she didn't really get her just flowers for how amazing she was because super warm spirit um she really was the mom on the set she really was like she had that protective energy and she was really looking out for all of us um yeah, she was she was she was a really great lady. Uh, yeah, we we miss her. And um, you know, one of the positives from that was that it, um, you know, me and my TV siblings, we all got to kind of like start talking to each other again because it had been a minute, and we all have our own lives and we're all doing our own things. And um, and it, it's hard sometimes when you realize, okay, twenty years goes by, and you're just like, oh, wow, I, you know, I haven't. I haven't talked to Reagan in like 10 years. I haven't talked to Curtis and Ashley and Faison and Bobby and, you know, all these people who are family still, you know? Absolutely. And we had Ashley Amari on on the previous episode. And that's kind of when I reconnected with you. Although I think I had, we had talked, I wanted to get you on even before her, but (laughs) it's just hard to get everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. um, Only because I looked up to you so much and your, your role on uh, the parenthood. And I want to talk a little bit about that because obviously you played this guy that was heavy into music, also into technology. And it was a a lot different from some of the other roles that we've seen in television around that time. Of course. How how was it to represent, you know, African-Americans, young black boys in a way that was so respectable? And uh, what type of, um, what type of response did you get from, your fans, people like me that came up to you? Well, it was, I mean, that's kind of been my trajectory. I think, you know, I, it's, it's a lot of who I am and it's a lot of what kind of came across when I was a kid, especially going on auditions. So, you know, so I, I would book certain type of roles, right? Mm-hmm. Especially from the commercial game and all that stuff. Um, the first movie I did uh, was the Super with Joe Pesci. And so, you know, I was playing this kid who was living in this, you know, uh, slum building that he was running and, and all that stuff. And, um, and I remember, you know, there were, it was like coming in, like, it was always like, you would feel that push on the character from on the page where they would really want to take it into this like negative stereotype space. Mm-hmm. Most of the roles that I was auditioning for was like, all right, so you little young hoodlum, you little drug dealer you in a gang you you know what i mean you're, you're doing because, like, look just not to cut you off but that's yeah. the reason why i like exited the game because i'm like i'm tired Dude. of having to curse people out yeah. like left and right like, absolutely <laughs> and that's and that's and that's what we had to go through right and we were not those kids in right. real life right we're and so actors, yeah. we're <laughs> actors so we could play that but at some point you know, I was like, oh, I want to I want to play a kid in a sci fi movie with with powers and, you know, move my hands and look at the CGI later. I'm like, wow, you know, I wanted to be able to play that. But those roles are just not available. And so the few, you know, one of the um, one of my early commercials was this bubble yum commercial where I was like the character was like, oh, you know, I'm a mathematical maniac. And when I'm, you know, and I've got the, the, the blackboard with the mathematical equations and all that stuff that the commercial was written for a white kid. Right. And when, and my agent at the time was just like, she was like, I don't care. I'm sending him out for it. Like, cause he can book it. We don't care. We don't care if it's for a white kid. Like we're going to send him. And I remember showing up and you looking at the little storyboards, the cartoon, it was clearly a white kid. And I'm the only black kid in there auditioning. And I, I booked it, which was a surprise at the time, because again, we didn't see those kind of things with us. And I always was happy about being able to portray that because that was closer to who I, who I was. And I always felt like, well, there's also gotta be a lot of other, you know, black kids like me who are into 
some other stuff, <laughs> you know what I mean? And to, and, to, and to see themselves represented is, is important because I know I would always get excited if I saw somebody on TV that was doing a thing. Now, character-wise, going back to parenthood, Michael J. Fox was like a huge influence on me from a, like a comedy standpoint. So when I got the parenthood, his, his, Michael's character in the first season was a little like Alex Keaton in Family Ties. And the way he was written, he was like, he was a little conservative. He was real snarky. He was a smart ass and he was way too smart for his, right? So I was like, oh, this is great. Like I get to play this character and really just like, really like get in there with it. And, um, and so that was great to be able to play range, right? And that was not something that we were able to do. I'll never forget after Tall Hopes, um, I got some LA Times write up on me and a bunch of production companies were trying to give me my own show. And that's when I sort of got a real good lesson on the politics, the racial politics of Hollywood, because when these shows started getting written, it was like the ones that were moving forward were like the bullshit plots and the bullshit <laughs> character stuff and more of like the stereotype stuff. And the ones that I was into that was like on some like, oh, this is just a really great story. And it had nothing to, oh, he's, nothing to do with just, oh, he's just a little black kid doing black kid stuff. Like, mm -hmm. okay. Um, and it was deep. I remember having this meeting with uh, Aaron Spelling's company. Uh, they did Beverly Hills 90210 back in the day in Melrose Place. And we get in the room and my mom and I, my mom was my manager at the time. We sit down, the guy who's head of development for Aaron Spelling's company, he sits in the boardroom, puts his feet up on the table right? Just to, just to start the meeting. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, this is about to be some stupidness. And he goes, yeah, so um, I don't know if you've seen some of our shows, you know, Beverly Hills 9210, Merrill's Place, and, you know, we got some hit shows, you know, basically like, you know, you probably want to be with us. And I was like, yeah, I've seen those shows, but I don't see anybody that looks like me on those shows, so I'm, right. I don't really watch them. <laughs> he goes, well, okay, I get that, but, you know, we did, we did have some Black families on the show, but, we, you know, I was like, yeah, I did see that, but then they, they went away, where'd they go? We didn't know how to write for them. So you don't know how to write for their people. What are you talking about? You don't know how to write for them. Oh, so now you want, <laughs> and now you think that's going to make me yeah, feel comfortable that... about coming to this company and, and creating with this company. So it was, so it was nuts, right? And it was, um, you know, when I was uh, doing Boomerang, I was director's apprentice and, um, and Eddie Murphy was, I mean, that's get into that whole thing, but Eddie Murphy was uh, incredible on that set, right? He, he knew I was there to shadow Reggie Hudlin, who was directing, uh, and Warrington Hudlin, who was producing. And of course, Eddie was an idol of mine, like, of you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and you never know how your heroes are going to act when you meet them in real life, right? <laughs> because you can have great experiences, you can have not so great experiences. But Eddie was like, amazing he was just very warm he was you know professional obviously but he was just like yo you know hurry up and grow up so we can work together kind of like that was like his energy and one day I was kind of like I don't know I must have been moping around set for some reason I you know as a kid you know I was like 14 something like that and essentially I was frustrated because I, I had just had a bunch of auditions where it was like the hoodlum the street kid the drug dealer like it was all the same stuff auditioning wise and he was he saw me and I guess he was like you all right what's what's going on I'm, I'm fine I'm fine don't you know don't worry about me you, you got all your work to do yeah, you got plenty a couple of hours later exactly like you're Eddie Murphy like don't please I'm not right um PA hits me up a couple of hours later he's like Eddie wants to see you on his bus what so I go on his bus and he's just like yeah man um don't worry about the auditioning thing man like it's a drag I know but just hang in there like I know I dealt with it, but you just hang in there and you keep moving on and pushing on and it's gonna get better and all this stuff. And he gave me a pep talk. He gave me a pep talk. And then proceeded to play me tracks from his new album that was about to come out with like Emmanuel Lewis and Janet Jackson and like all these people. I'm just like, uh, yeah, that, I'm yeah, listening that to Eddie Murphy would, records. That probably would have took me way left. Like really, Eddie, you trying to- It did. Me, you gonna give me advice and then play this? Like, no, I'm playing. <laughs> it did, but no, but that's I mean, exactly, that's, Cause that's the thing is like, it, they were good records, but it's also Eddie Murphy. And no matter it, you know, it, like, like Jamie Foxx to a lesser extent, cause Jamie Foxx can kind of play, 
like Eddie will, Eddie will always play the R&B singer. Jamie can kind of like, he can be the R&B singer somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he pulled that off. Comedy shit is still like on a hundred million, right? But um, yeah, it, you know, it, it was it was a trip. And now, now you see there's so many roles for us that are just so different. Like I, I see so many roles that I would have loved to play as a kid. And, and I'm were, happy that they exist now. And you were into the music and they also were able to incorporate that quite a bit on Living Single. Uh, oh, oh parenthood. Me, on parenthood excuse me yeah yeah you were on all those so <laughs> on parenthood um what was it like you know being able to display those t- those musical talents that you had as well like obviously you had mentorship from eddie murphy you seen what he was doing um but to get that opportunity um was that something that you think robert townsend um specifically extended because you were part of that cast and how how many different changes do you think he made just based on you and your personality mm, and your persona that's a great question um because you said the character was a little bit different when you first read it and then obviously we've seen progression throughout the years and you you know taking more of a you became a man on screen oh uh, <laughs> no, really, yeah really. no yeah that that first season was was a lot different than the the rest of the seasons and I think you know we had uh, a different set of showrunners that first season different set of writers and I think we kind of honed it uh, to make it a little bit more friendly and loving because because a lot of the stuff in that first season there were there were a lot of mean things that a lot of mean jokes and that was something that Robert didn't want he he expressly was like you know we want to show we want to show how families can interact and be loving right? Not just go for the joke and people insulting each other. Um, and so by the second season, like that was dialed in a bit. And I think Michael's character got a little nicer. And like you said, I think they were writing more towards kind of who we all were um, as young people back then. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Robert had to make that decision to be like, oh yeah, Ken does music. Um, and so that second season, they started writing in some of that stuff. They started writing, like, oh, Michael's got a band. And so I was responsible for, for providing the music nice. for when my character was doing bands. And then that turned into um, doing, I think it was three episodes, like scoring three episodes that second season. And then the third season, I ended up scoring half the season. And then by the fourth season, I was scoring the entire season. See, I didn't even know, I never even knew that. I knew that you were involved in the back end and you have credits that, that show on your IMDb about your, your work as far as music in the entertainment industry. But yeah. that's just an, an awesome opportunity that obviously it, you, you uh, definitely, you, you, excuse me, uh, you <laughs> lost for words. I got to take my bike. That's all good. Yeah. <laughs> You definitely benefited from having someone like Robert Townsend in your corner. And um, so that's just, that's just uh, amazing to have. And then, you know, you, you talked about Boomerang where you still you still had the haircut, I believe, in Boomerang. But can we talk about this hair that you dropped on um, on the parenthood? On parenthood? Because, oh, yeah, the, the braids. Bro, I, I was trying to grow. Mine really don't grow too much. You still got a, a nice length of hair. Mine don't <laughs> grow too, too much, man, or it might take a hell of a long time. But um, so was it all yours? That's the first question. Was all no, it was not. Yours? Okay, so it was not like the um. What? So so yeah, no. So check it out. So check it out. So check it out. Right. So so the, the hairstyle went through like a couple of different versions. I don't really remember where the idea came from, but it was actually right before the Parenthood that I just decided like, oh, I want to do something different, and I I want to just have like these. It, you know, it was the '90s. No no judgment, but um, <laughs> like. I just was like, oh, let me, I just want to get my hair like twisted or braided or something. And um, there was this woman in New York who, who did the hairstyle. And then I, I think I booked the parenthood. They were like, oh no, no, like cut the hair. I was like, okay, whatever. Right. So I cut the hair off and that was the first season. And then somehow I, I allowed my hair to grow just enough. And I don't really know how this happened, but um, where at the by the end of the season for the rap party, I had the hair done again, and it was like braided, but like you know, like there was there was weave in there, and it was like not all my hair, but it was like a style. And I showed up to the rap party, and they were like, "Oh, we like this, we so it. you yeah, so we, we come back next season with it." And I was like, "Great!" 
Um, and then it, you know, and then it like evolved over like the second and third seasons and it changed and oh yeah because no and and one of my favorite styles is when it's a little bit longer in with the, the long fronts yeah the holly oh with the, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah right yep yep that was yep that was second season that was totally second season and then third season it got a little bit more like the two long ones got shorter yeah. and it was I loved I I was I wanted to get it so bad, but they would be like, look at this guy trying to be uh Michael from Parenthood. Look. Now and the funny thing right. was it was like um there was this uh Mystical was also kind of getting big around the same time. And Mystical had this uh commercial for his album at the time, and he had like a similar hairstyle. And so everybody was like, Who did it first? Was it Michael from the parent or was it mystical? Oh, no, nah, it was Michael. I still don't know. Oh, yeah, okay. Nah, it well. was Michael. We're just going to give you the credit. You know, you're going to give it to me? All right. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate that. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Wait, wait, wait. This is alternate facts, you know. Uh, <laughs> and earlier I said you benefited from Robert Townsend and being him giving you the opportunity, but it sounds like there's just something in your personality where people trust you and want you to see you thrive and work and get out there. Mm-hmm. What is it do you think that's a, about your personality that people give you these amazing opportunities? Or let me stop saying the word give, that you've earned these opportunities uh, through in the industry to work behind the scenes because obviously people of our, you know, of our color, it's, you know, you've, you've worked on some great black projects, but yeah. still for them to, you know, have that confidence in you, um, what did you think they saw in you? You know, I think it's a combination of like, um, personality and and vibe right I think people you know I enjoy having fun I enjoy good connection with people and connecting on that high vibration Um, and I'm also passionate about the behind the scenes stuff I'm passionate about that process I'm passionate about the technology that assists that process and I think once once people you know for example so the Hudlin brothers, huge mentors to me uh, because I've known them since I was a little kid. Uh, I was the youngest member of the Black Filmmakers Foundation in New York City, which is their organization. Uh, my mom had worked with, with uh, the Hudlin brothers. Um, and so she, you know, she knew that they were doing this, this Black Filmmakers Foundation. She knew that I was a budding filmmaker and I was really studying the craft and trying to figure out what my filmmaking voice was gonna be. And so she, kind of ushered me into this uh, environment. And I would go to these screenings at like eight years old, nine years old. And the filmmakers would come up on Q and A's afterwards. And I would ask these, I'd ask questions. I'd go, oh, why did you use 16 millimeter versus 35? And this look that you use, you know, I was asking like real actual, and people were like, what? Like, who's this? And so the Hudlin brothers, literally. And so that's the Hudlin brothers like, okay, like I see you're very interested. And they really took me under their wing. And I'm always grateful for that because that they, you know, gave me that real behind the scenes. I mean, to watch Boomerang being made from that vantage point of directorial choices, producerial choices, seeing how they had to deal with egos, all these stars, right? All these huge names and how they had, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? How they dealt with that. And like, um, it was fascinating. And it was a a peek behind the curtain that uh, I'm very grateful to have had. And so, I don't know, like I just, you know, when 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 I meet people of that ilk and I'm really just passionate, I think the passion is what people see. Right. And I think the passion is like, okay, you, you know, even if you, you know, in the case of, well, we have to kind of still see if he really knows what he's doing, but gosh, we love the spirit he's got. Like that's, that's, you hear that a lot, right? Like, well, he's never done it before, but he'll gosh, figure it out. It. I'll give him, yeah, I'll, let's give yeah. him a chance. <laughs> before we go to break, uh, what song would you like the fans to listen to while we are on break? Oh, okay. Um, you got to make it either from MF Doom or some early 2000s Neptunes. Ooh. Okay. Especially got Neptunes. Love okay. okay. I, right? NERD for my okay. kids all the time. Can we do yeah. one of those? Absolutely. Let's <laughs> do okay. it. Well, we'll be right back with everybody, me included, because I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I know I ain't been saying much, but I'm saving mine for the second half. Just know. All, right, all right. Uh, so we'll be right back and uh, stay tuned. 
Michael, Lee Boy TV, and PRIME. And um, yeah, we're just here talking, shooting the breeze at the moment, doing a break, but now we're back, so we're hey. gonna get back into it. Uh so wh- wh- where did we where did we leave off? Right, yeah, right before the break, I was just saying how multifaceted he was and how he's doing TV and film and also uh voiceover and voice acting has been something that you've been adding on padding onto your resume up until this day. I see that you have yeah. some current projects as well. Um so di- you are very comfortable obviously in front of the screen. Seemingly if uh, more comfortable, if not uh, just as comfortable behind the scenes. Uh, what do you like more? And can you tell us mm. about how you got into voiceovers? Um, you know, I like all the aspects, although, you know, being behind the camera is, is fun if it's in the right role. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I love all the aspects. I mean, and I think that's kind of... Um, What's fun because I, I, I've I've cultivated like a lot of different skill sets over the years, and so being able to kind of move between them, uh, when one starts kind of getting stale, mm. jump over to another one. It's like if there's not you know a lot of acting work going on, okay, let me get some directing stuff going on. So maybe some producing stuff. Let's get some editing stuff going. Let's get some composing work. Let's right. And so it's always kind of jumping around to to different creative. Uh, things and I I love that I love the diversity I love the variety of being in the creative thing of making you know film TV whatever um, VO necess- sorry before you yeah, yeah. is that necessary for you as a, a, an artist of your caliber to be have to be able to have those different outlets does it keep your creative juices flowing or is, is it something that allows you to stay in the business or do you think you could operate with just one avenue you know, we all know, you know, in the entertainment industry, there's like the booms and the busts, right? And um, especially uh, in my transition kind of away from acting as the main, my main sort of income earner. Um, and that was like in my, in my mid twenties, right? And I, I just had a, a couple of really sort of frustrating back-to-back experiences in the auditioning process that I was just like, mm. and, you know, I've always, been a filmmaker but behind the scenes you know even before sort of the acting stuff got big so I was always kind of doing all of these things the acting was the first you know that was that was a way for me to like make money to be able to buy my studio equipment right that was that's my addiction uh it's definitely gotten a lot better as I've aged but as a kid like I was about building my studio and buying gear uh music gear and 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 recorders and keyboards and drum machines and sequencers and all that stuff and then buying a video camera and video machines to edit and learn how to score and locking to tape and simply code and all this stuff was stuff that really just got me excited and really just got, kept me in the process. Um, and a lot of times I would do the, all, all this stuff by myself. So it's always nice when working with a crew and collaborating with a bunch of other great creatives. Um, but for me personally, I think being able to jump from discipline to discipline helps the booms and the busts, right? It allows things to be a little bit more stable because unless, you know, I, I was, uh, we were talking a little bit on the break. I saw the episode that you guys did with Keenan, uh, which was really great. And he mentioned, the thing that I, that I enjoyed about his interview was that, you know, this is a guy who's been on SNL for how many years? Like uh, 22, plus. I think. 
Yeah, like he's the longest standing cast member no, in SNL history. Sorry, 19. Right, 19. okay. Um, and so he's been in it so long, but he you can still hear like, yeah, nothing is guaranteed. And yeah, I've had this gig for, almost, for over 20 years, but I'm not gonna act like uh, it's gonna be here forever. And that work is gonna be around forever. So I, I'm gonna make sure that I, take advantage of what I have and what's here now and make the best of it and think down the, down the road and try and make good decisions. And, um, and that's great because it just shows how grounded he is, right? And how he's just very like pragmatic and it's like, this is still a business. This is a, a job, you know, I'm not gonna get caught up in, ooh, I'm a star and I'm super successful and I've been doing, you know, because in the business, that's the whole thing. Like you're, you're hot until you're not. Uh, my parents Tell told me, me very it. early I do I mean we all you know we all have that experience of you know my parents told me they were you know they were when I was really young in the business first kind of starting out and and I'm sure I'm sure the reason why they told me this was because I'm sure they started kind of seeing my head starting to get a little big you know I was booking commercials I was like all this stuff and they told me they said look you know when you do these jobs these people who are, you know, on the crew and on the set, and they're kind of like ushering you from the trailer to the set, and then they're treating you very, very nicely. They're not your friends. This is a job, right? And they're treating you nicely because you're making them money, right? You're helping them make money. And the minute that that stops, everything's like you'll see that they'll just kind of disappear. So just know that, like, just know that it's not like oh, it's not like, oh, friends and let's everybody like each other. Like, no, this is, this is a job. It's, it's a business. It's a job that I, and I so happen to love doing. So I enjoy myself, but you gotta be realistic about it. I, um, one of the other things that, that I did, which was a lot of fun was uh, I was doing a lot of uh, video game stuff. Right. And yeah. I think my, my biggest kind of video game thing was uh, black male player on Saints Row, mm -hmm. uh, two, three, and four. And those things like video games are even crazier than the voiceovers for like the yeah. cartoons and stuff because of all the crazy shit they'd be writing in these video games. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just get to have even more fun because it's way out, way more outlandish because it's like inside jokes within inside jokes. And especially with Saints Row, like they were doing like meta within meta within meta and they were just going nuts. And um, I literally, I just the other day I had to tweet out because um, my, my, my most vociferous fans, did I just really use vociferous? I yeah. don't even know if that's the right, is that the right, you did, you did. is that the right uh, usage? Let me look it up for you. <laughs> let's, let's see. But um, my, my Saints Row fans, man, they, they go all out. And so uh, they wanted to know if I was going to be a part of this reboot. And I'm not. And they were pissed. They were mad. They were mad. Um, but, you know, so I, you know, I appreciate it. I have gratitude for, for them for rocking with me and my voice all those years on those games. But, um, you know, the VO stuff was great. I mean, I remember I was. Um, <laughs> and again, you know, the, the racism stuff is always funny because uh, I want to say maybe it was one of the first Saints Row sessions. Right. And that character that I was playing was like, real street, real hood, real like, you know, over the top, like alpha dude. And I came into the session talking with the director and we were just you know, talking like this, talking like this. And then he realized who I was coming into play. And he was, it was funny cause he was like this British guy. And he's like, um, are you, 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 you're supposed to do a, a main player? Is that, are you, um, like he, he didn't want to say are you going to be able to be hood enough? Yeah, yeah. Are you in this voice? Are you like, really black? Are you the black guy that we? My dude, <laughs> dude. It's like, dude. I just came from another session where I was playing a German soldier, like yelling in in German. So it's like, you know what I mean? We can exactly. do all the things, yeah. just like everybody else. It's like, come on, man. Like, stop with the bullshit. So yeah. is is there a voiceover that you kind of? look like not look for but you know wish like dang that would be cool to have done yeah what's on your bucket list uh you know a, a friggin huge franchise movie that mm. i will pay residuals for the rest of my life and go. my that's offspring's on, life that's like that's the, you want a bucket list like something like that <laughs> um but you know i mean i don't know man like i you know like i said these, these last two vo gigs i had like the cannon busters and this other movie called um um mfkz 
which is on Netflix right now. That it's like a French Japanese anime, and uh, and I play the lead character in it, and that was also a lot of fun, like a lot of fun to play. Again, some of my favorite acting work because it's like range and you really get to go wild with these characters because one nobody's seeing you i'm guessing so it's like you get to just like really get in your zone inside these booths and i'm sure that's like an amazing experience absolutely and they're cartoons so like so the stuff that's happening in the story is out so it's like you know these situations oh they're they're doing a car chase and you're in an ice cream truck and you jump off the freeway and and you jump across an overbank and you're in the air like you don't get to do this stuff, no, you know, not unless it's not impossible. It's like, you don't get to do that unless you're like acting in a Marvel right. movie, right? Where it's like, okay, they're doing that live action, not even animation style. So and I just, then, you know, I just like the difference. I like the variety, man, you know? And how, how do those type of projects compare to As Told by Gender? Cause I'll say, um, I'll say our audience members, I think when I first put up the picture of the two of us, they were like, oh, that's the guy from my soul by Ginger. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just no parenthood. Like, right. um, but I'm sure you were on that show for quite a while. It's a, yeah. you know, a Nickelodeon quote unquote classic. But um, so what was it like being on that show and what type of different fans do you get from that side of the world? Cause I'm sure ah. it must be different from some of the other. Some say it's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, just as excitable. Mm-hmm, right. right the ginger fans is the saint saints row fans i mean sure. i want to say like I, I would say that my most excitable fans are of my vo stuff mm-hmm. interestingly enough um but ginger was an amazing experience because again as an actor the the way that that show was done was it felt like you know some like some some cartoons are so like okay, so you have your script and there's the line numbers and sometimes they'd be on some rigid shit where it's just like, okay, you just line by line. We're just going to do three of each and you just go down the thing, down the thing, down the thing. You can't really get a vibe. You have to sort of rely on like having your own internal vibe, stopping and starting and stopping and starting. But Ginger was just like, we had the script, all the actors were in a room together and we just did the scene a couple of times and that was it. And so there was this naturalness that was there because of the ability to really have that natural rhythm. And the talent on that show was incredible, right? I mean, being able to work with Cree Summer, mm. you know what I mean? Like um, Lorraine Newman was in the show, uh, Melissa Disney, like just a- an amazing cast. And we just had a great time. Um, similar where I want to say they, you know, like when I started seeing the animation come back and I'm like, oh, snap, they <laughs> kind of drawn him a little bit like me in the booth. Like he kind of looked a little bit like me, um, the hair and all that kind of stuff. It was a great, I mean, it was a great show. It was a great show. And so, you know, so those fans, I, I recently was, I guess it was like last year was, was it like the 20 year anniversary of that show? And so this one, this one fan who does like a podcast and a YouTube channel just about that show like she's like her and her team are like they be on that show and she contacted all of us right and and I was a part of like this reunion and that's always great because it's like it's great to to be able to see how like the work that you do in these little black box rooms affect people for years you know and so that's that's always yeah, and you can definitely oh. tell the the chemistry on that show it just seemed like you guys were really all friends it's like a high school type setting right and totally uh, so i think uh that was dope to see uh for you to be a part of it and it was like eight seasons or something long like that right? something like that something like that crazy i was like Damn. yeah <laughs> and that and was you know do long seasons so. they do and that was you know that like as far as like work it's like okay so like um the list of like as an actor like hardest to easiest right uh in terms of just like the workload and patience and just you know the gruelingness of some of the acting stuff i would say at the top is like one hour tv episodic that's probably the hardest you're going to (laughs) work as an actor on television because they just work in you all the time right i would say the easiest is like sitcom work um because the scripts and stuff it's not you know you're not like having to get into these crazy characters unless 
that's what you're doing unless that's the character right like Jaleel White and Urkel but you know he could just drop into that mm -hmm. um and it's more lighthearted, yeah yeah exactly it's 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 it's, 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 it's not it's it's really unless <laughs> unless you're a kid and you know about this mm -hmm. the worst thing about being a child actor is um having to do school yeah I was gonna say. on set yeah. it's like so the adults when they're finished they go back to their trailers their dressing rooms we had to go I to school imagine that like i don't even know i dropped out the game before i could even before i even experienced it without school that probably yeah. was what got on my nerves is like man i could just go to school and just do that then like because <laughs> you had yeah. to you had to you had to get like three hours in every day and then they would want to bank hours for those oh, eight days yeah. and so it'd be that. like everybody went home Bad and memory. i'm still with the tutor like doing schoolwork and you gotta bank five hours today so you can like, shoot all day on saturday like and nah. it's just one-on-one -on -one school with somebody and you're just like oh my oh, gosh man. i can't even um, um but yeah like um oh so ginger because i had to come back like, who are we talking about? um ginger was like another one of those easy gigs because it just was comfortable to do and the, the writing was so great that it wasn't like you had to twist your mouth to say things that right. were awkward and didn't feel right. And it was just like, you know, you just go in and you do the scene a couple of times <laughs> in there for a few hours. And then that's it. And you come back next week and do another episode. Those are, those are a lot of fun, I, you know, and grateful for all that. So we got you on movies, TVs, behind the scene work. You do your music. Um, we got you in video games. We got you in anime. We got you on, on traditional um, cartoon and animated work. And then one, there's a couple more. We're going to do this before we wrap up that we'll talk about. But you also did a little bit of reality on, on Montel Williams, sir. You Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, on Montel Williams. Show? That's the show that I used to watch with my mom and every, we used to be chilling. What did you yeah. do on Montel Williams? Because it might jog my memory. <laughs> I, uh, I co-composed the theme for that. Mm. Uh, and I think I was on an episode as well. They had an episode about like, I want to say like the, the headline was like genius kids or whatever. Right, right. And I um, they had, I, I was on one of those. Yeah, like being a little kid, like, oh, okay, yeah. Cause he's directing and music and editing and all this stuff and acting and all this stuff. And he's like 13, 14. Um, so yeah, so, but Montel Williams was like. It's not really reality, but it, like that was reality back then. I just want to know because this is a show I love. It's a show Lee Boy has never seen. I always act like it's just the worst show ever. Uh, what do you remember? Why are you, putting, why are you throwing me under the bus, man? Go ahead. Go what ahead. do you remember anything, if you can't remember, about Freaks and Geeks when you were? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I don't really remember a whole lot about that day. Um, but, I, but it was one of those things where I... I had a lot of fun doing it. And the funny thing was that um, I had never been drunk before um, when I did that scene. So I was just kind of like, I'm trying to think about like what my process was for just like, okay, so how do I, how do I play drunk? And I've never been, I've never been drunk to that point. Years later, yeah, you know, Got a start drinking a little bit. Yeah, a little bit experience <laughs> with the libations and things, but, um, but at that point, no, I, I had not, I had never been drunk or high. And so I just remember kind of like doing the drunk thing and kind of just thinking about like the, the breathing that you kind of would be doing, you know what I mean? And, and so, and I remember like the vibe was chill. That was, that period was interesting for me because it was like, I did Freaks and Geeks. There was other movie, um, Dead Men on Campus. Oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. I did not know you did that. You did that. Yeah, I was in Dead Man on Campus. Man, that was man. That's under man. Come on, man. Dead Man on Campus. Um, it was uh the, uh what was the one? It was David Duchovny and Orlando Jones, um, and it was like they had like all the the aliens that Evolution, Evolution. I also did Evolution around that time, and this other movie called Delivering Milo, and it was like you know this this time period was like my early twenties and. You know, and like the acting thing was like, it was weird because like I would kind of book some of these things sometimes, but you know, evolution, it was kind of like I was a glorified extra, but it was like me and John Cho as glorified extras. And you know, John Cho is, you know, about to be Cowboy Bebop. Like John Cho, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming 
I don't want to say who's the wrong person. I'm, I'm assuming I know who you're talking about. Uh, Harold he, and Kumar. He, okay, Harold yeah. Kumar. I was going to say American Pie, but yeah. Harold and Kumar, yeah. And really great guy, but it was like, we had we had just done um, this other movie together. And so we got hired to do Evolution. And, <laughs> and the deal was, it was like, um, the agents were like, oh, the director wants to get these uh, group of college students together who can do improv, because there's not really anything written in the script, but he just wants to be able to like, have them do stuff in the scene. Cool. Um, and I get there and it was just the weirdest experience because we were just kind of extras. Like we just were in these scenes, but, and that's like, whatever, like we're still getting paid. Like it's not whatever, like, you know, it's a gig is a gig, but then it would be like, uh, PA would knock on the door. Like, you need it on set right now, right now, right now, right now. We're shooting right now, right now. Right. They rush me out, rush me out. And they would stand me behind a crane you're gonna be right here. I'm like, I'm behind the crate. We're not even, I'm not, I'm nowhere near the camera. They're like, no, 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 yeah. I was like, can I just go back to my, why am I out here? No, 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 because he might turn around. Yeah, but if he turns <laughs> around, it's gonna take 10 minutes, you can bring me back. And so it was just weird because it was just like, he really didn't, they didn't really have anything for us to do. Um, <laughs> so we were just these glorified extras, but we had, you know, we had a good time or whatever. Um, but yeah, Freaks and Geeks, man, like that was a that was a cool experience that I barely remember. And um, and it's the thing that people still like, oh, man, I just saw you. I just watched rewatched the whole thing and I just saw you in it. And it's great. I see there's like memes that I get you know tweeted at where people are taking the gifts of like those couple of lines and stuff. And it's cool. And that's yeah. what's great about being a part of so many legendary projects. You get so many fans from different walks of life that come up to you and profess their, uh, you know, their interest in your career and what you've done. And, um, you know, just being a part of some of pop culture's greatest moments. So uh, kudos to that. And then, you know, and in the background, it seems like you're also creating your own lane uh, as far as, uh, as that and, and you're taking a, a step into technology. And, and mixing it in with some of your own experiences that you've had over the years and cultivating. Um, in fact, you could definitely explain it a lot better than me, but I'm, I'm trying to get to Reshi here. Yeah, and man. I, I read about it. You've got a website, you've got an Instagram, so make sure you guys go check this out and go check out Kim Blank in general. Um, but just tell the audience about it because this is a, a type of technology that definitely piqued my interest as soon as I seen uh, what you were trying to develop here or yeah. what you have developed here. Yeah, no, it's, you know, thank you. It's, it's, uh, it's still in progress. Um, you know, so I've, I've been a, a musician all my life and I've utilized technology in the creation of music all of my life. And uh, as I've gotten older, you know, my sort of spiritual evolution has taken many different paths. And so some of my own sort of personal experiences with healing and with, you know, metaphysical stuff, um, you know, I've always been interested in the subtle. I've always been interested in the beyond, you know, we have a very finite sense of uh, senses, right? We experience what we experience, but it, for, for most of us, it's a, it's a very narrow image of what's available out there in the universe in terms of energy, in terms of um, uh, thought discipline. And so I've always been curious and always been very much into learning and reading and, and, and having experiences that expand me. And um, some years ago, um, I, you know, I, I started kind of reading about um, sound healing and frequency work in terms of, okay, we are all made out of vibration, right? Everything is frequency, uh, our biology, everything is vibrating. And so sound interacts with that vibration, right? You know, people say, oh, you got to be on that high vibration, you know, you got to raise your frequency, all this stuff. Um, a lot of that's mental. A lot of that is emotional. Um, but some of that is also environmental. And physical, yeah. And physical, right? And so the way that we are impacted by sound is fascinating to me because there's a lot of information in sound, right? Um, songs that change our mood, um, 
chords that when you hear a chord transition, it means something, right? There's an emotional connection. That's a language all into itself, right? And so as I started kind of like getting a little deeper in this like sound work where it's like, okay, there are these, you know, you can find these what they call resonant frequencies that uh, can do things, can affect physical spaces. Uh, I remember I was on a plane and I was reading this article about this uh, researcher who was doing work in the pyramids by pushing out certain frequencies in the pyramids. Turns out the pyramids were built to react to certain frequencies, to enhance and generate energy, right? And so there's this whole thing about like, if you can really understand frequency, uh, you can do a lot to heal. And so as I'm reading all this stuff and I'm thinking like, okay, like I would love to combine technology with this because, you know, some people go like, well, you, you know, technology and spirituality are, that's two different things. I disagree. I feel like technology can help to aid, right? Um, people say, oh, technology uh, is, is, is um, cold and sterile. I feel like technology is, it's like fire, right? Uh, it can warm your house, it can cook your food, but it could burn down your house as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's about how you're wielding it and what the intention is. So some years ago, I just started going like, okay, I want to do some experimentation with this sound frequency stuff. And um, this is a great opportunity for me to explore something that I've always wanted to do, which is to build software. And so I embarked on this project to essentially create a system that aids you in doing holistic sound, right? Being able to identify, utilize these resonant uh, healing frequencies, these frequencies that um, can adjust a space. There's also this thing called binaural beats, which is you take you know, one pitch or frequency in one ear and then a slightly higher one in the other ear. And based on that in-between frequency, that rate, um, you can put your brain in different states. Uh, put you to sleep, you wake go. you up, help you to focus, help you to concentrate. Um, and the stuff, it works. I mean, I've, 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 I've done it on myself. I mean, literally since high school. I was always a, a fan of the character, Michael, and, and wanted to, you know, take on that persona in my own life. But I'm an even bigger fan of you now, man, because just, oh, um, <laughs> just because of, you know, this this path that you're going down and that you're cultivating for yourself is very inspirational. So I'm going to definitely follow that and I'll be in contact with you. About man, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, man. I can't wait to pass you on some stuff that I'm working on. But yeah. Dude, and and, I'm, and I'm, I'm excited about you man it's really yeah, you know it. and you too prime man you ain't you know what i'm saying you ain't really prime, talking yeah. much you been on, silent, man. but you i'm excited you about y'all because y'all y'all doing it y'all doing it we were talking about we um before it started i was just talking about the consistency of getting a podcast out a hundred of them out like that's that's work man that is not yeah. something to be taken lightly like so props because the work is the work and yeah. you guys prime, are creating prime edits it up and he does a lot of the behind the scenes work i'm just yeah, here man. i'm just here and on that, the is, that is not in, that is not inconsequential because yeah. i know like edit, especially editing what an hour long hour and a half long it's hard i ain't gonna that's, lie that's, that's the that's hardest part an hour and a half of content man like <laughs> i get it part. so yeah so props all right props. prime what you got yeah. for ken man before we get out of here all right so <laughs> you I'm sure you're aware with like Comic Cons, how they're formed, right? How, you know, for guests, if a guest is at Comic Con, they're going to have a few pictures of different mm -hmm. shows. Mm -hmm. So I want to know if you had to choose a personal Comic Con set, right? You're at Comic Con signing stuff. What pictures are you going to bring? Like, you're going to bring a show from the Parenthood, picture from the Parenthood to get signed, mm. you know, one of your characters. What are okay. you bringing? It's going to be five pictures are you bringing? Oh, that's good. No, five. That's perfect. Thank you. Uh, definitely Parenthood. Definitely Boomerang. Nope. Um, I would say Cannon Busters because I really love Philly the Kid. Asshole by Ginger. Darren. Um, and what would be the other one? You know what? I mean, I mean, I might do Freaks and Geeks because that just might, you know, because people you know that there's 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 an audience for that there's fans um, out there that love yes 
Yes, yeah, so I would I say. I ain't one of them. Prime's always mad at me. I'm like, <laughs> you I, you I just never seen, seen the show. That's why. Did I'm you try and watch it, man? Did you yeah, try? I'm going to check it out. Oh, man. Where can I watch it now? It's on Hulu. Okay. Yeah. All right. Check it out. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those shows. It's like, I mean, I don't know if you're a fan of um, any of the people who were on that show, like Seth Rogen or, you know what I mean? Like, that's this, yeah, like this is where they all kind of, this is like early Judd Apatow. And that's the thing. Like, I remember when, what I do remember is I do remember them talking about Judd Apatow is like, oh, he's just like up and coming. Like, he's the, he's going to be this next guy, you know? And of course, you know. The rest is history. Got to start. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out right now. I'm just like stuck on watching like a bunch of kids stuff and like you know. Oh, how old are they? Yeah, five and three. So yeah, we just watching. Yeah, it's a bad batch right now. And you just you got that sound that sound in the background of all the crazy voices. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) yeah, it's just a yeah bunch of little kid stuff. But I'll definitely check it out. I'm gonna check it out now that I know you on there. We'll we'll do. I think you might like it. You know, like I'm I'm only in a little bit of a thing but the, but the show the show is really good the show is yeah. really good yeah all right uh just before we leave can you let everybody know where to find you uh i am ken michael everywhere k-e-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l i'm on instagram i'm on twitter um you know i don't know the social stuff i i like connecting with people but i you know i don't know social media is just it's a little weird sometimes right especially now right especially now, I used to love Instagram. I used to love it when it was just about, oh, nice pictures. When upload some nice right. pictures. And then, yeah, and now it's, no it's definitely not that. I, you know, Twitter is like my news source, weirdly enough, um, just to kind of see where people's heads are at. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that's kind of the best example, but we're living in crazy times. And I, I like to be informed about what craziness is happening. But yeah, but you can find me on, on, on Twitter and uh, Instagram. My website is also kenmichael.com. Um, and you can find all the information about Reshi and all that stuff through my, my pages. So go check that stuff out. Dope, dope, dope. And, uh, you know, just to, if you want a little break or a new avenue for social media, I would just suggest Fanbase. It's a Black-owned. Yeah, I just, dope. I saw um, Jason Weaver and I saw, I heard about that. So I will definitely check that out because, uh, yeah. Black owned, absolutely support that. Black owned, not you know what I like about it—the technology they actually incorporate some things from Clubhouse, a lot of ah. things from Instagram, uh, and you can do it all in one place. And um, they also offer subscriptions and oh, cool. um, different ways to monetize your content. So definitely a, a dope, dope platform that I would recommend to anyone that's getting over Instagram like the rest of us. But <laughs> not yeah. hey, Instagram, don't block me, don't shadow. Right, block me. but that's the thing is like you know we still need it, right? <laughs> Right, because it's, please, <laughs> it's how, how people kind of connect. But uh, but yeah, definitely, y'all definitely check out. Uh, was it was it was called uh, fan base? Fan base. Fan base. And uh, you can follow me on there at Lee Boy at Lee Boy TV. Pretty much everywhere else, including YouTube. Please, you guys give me a follow and check me out on LeeBoyTV.com. Uh, Prime, what's up with you, man? What you got for the people? You're not going. Did you? What? Like Wait, what did what I forget? Look, I was like looking day, at Prime. What time? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, one, the day the time start that y'all on fan base? Oh no, I mean, yeah. I was just saying, follow me at Lee Boy on fan base. But I do have a child star chat every Thursday that we just brought over from Clubhouse over to the fan base uh, platform. It's me, Angelique, Latangela, uh, oh, wow. Giovanni Samuels, uh, a bunch of people that I know, a bunch Jermaine of child stars that are friends. Jermaine Williams is usually on there. Um, you guys check us out. We're having a good time on fan base. We're just getting started out. So come show us some support and love uh, and have a good time with us, man. Thank you, Prime. Like he was like looking at me like, man, you say it. I'm like, do the plug, man. Do I'm the like, plug. What did I do? What, I, I got What's up with you, Prime? Tell the people where to find you. Follow me, Twitter, Instagram, KVNG Prime Time. Follow the podcast, Prime Nostalgia Pod. Uh, we're gonna get more active on Twitter, but you know, Twitter is just weird sometimes. Twitter is weird. <laughs> Twitter is weird. There are all the all these all these. All these joints are weird now. Like, you know, they started in an interesting place and now it's just like, oof. It's ooh, Troll boy. City now. Look, oh, man. Don't even say, don't have an opinion now. Don't even no. go down that road. <laughs> Dude, I, I, got, I, got rid, I got rid of my Instagram. Uh, no, not Instagram, uh, Facebook. I got rid of my Facebook uh, a couple of years ago. I was just like, nope, not even inactive. Just like delete. Just 
I know they still tracking me all over the web, but I'm just like, oh, goodness. And as we always say, Prime. Prime time. Is it's all time. the time, baby. We out of here. That was Prime Nostalgia Podcast. Y'all be good. Prime Nostalgia. Thanks for tuning in to the Prime Nostalgia, the podcast dedicated to entertainment from childhood. That's 80s, 90s, the latest 2000s. Because Prime know it all, and Lee Boy be wow. And he's from all that. Dropping gems for you to find. So that's orange, that light is lying. Prime time is all the time. We talking about the classics, and there's so many. That's Lee Boy TV and P R I M E. Yeah.